Welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Six Hats podcast. And I'm really excited to have Dr. Fabian Chevalier back with us. Now, for those listeners who haven't listened to her first podcast, it's a must. I've had so many of my listeners come back to me and say, I relate, that resonates with me. And it's all about that transition from career woman to motherhood and the loss of identity. And it's really interesting. I see many women in my practice who've been down that journey and absolutely resonated with this podcast. So we got Fabian back and it's really important that we keep having this conversation. And I'm really excited today to have this conversation about maternal anger and mum rage. So really, really meaty. Let me introduce Fabian. She's a therapist, a matrescence and motherhood advocate, an educator and researcher into language, the mind and behavior, and also a mother. Now with a focus on anxiety, depression, trauma, anger, and emotional blocks, she brings together therapy, coaching, and a background in research and education in linguistics, sociology, and psychology in her practice. Almost a mouthful, Fabian, to introduce you, but this is so inspiring. And in particular, she works with career-driven and working mothers who feel like they have lost themselves since they became mothers and who feel trapped, unfulfilled, undervalued, and invisible. Welcome back, Fabian. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talking about this because this is such a topic that's so prevalent and yet so often hidden. Absolutely. So let's get into it. So Fabian, you specialize in anxiety, depression, trauma, and emotional blocks. And you spoke before on this podcast about the identity shift that comes with motherhood. Can you tell us how you came to work with mothers and with anger and rage in motherhood in particular? Hmm. Well, I've always been interested in what makes us uh, do what we do as human beings. And my background initially was in sociology, psychology and linguistics. And um, I've always been interested in how societies have norms and rules that actually shape how we think and feel and behave. And of course, motherhood is one of these situations in life where suddenly you're expected to feel and look and behave a particular way. And... Being a mother allowed me to connect more closely with my clients and understand what they were going through. Because one of the things you're not prepared for when you become a mother is the intensity and the range of emotion that you're going to experience that no one prepares you for. You're told that it's going to be blissful and wonderful. And actually, the reality can be very, very different. And when I started as a therapist, you know how, and I'm guessing you have maybe a similar approach or uh, experience with uh, medicine, but when I started as a therapist, you know, you follow the model that you've been taught. And I was feeling with mothers, something was missing, that there were more broader issues that really helped women understand and become aware of what was going on. And so I started reintroducing my work on sociology and psychology and linguistics, really to help women understand that what they're experiencing failing. It's not down to them uh, not being a good mom, but there's so many aspects socioculturally going on underneath that feed all of that. And so for me, that really changed things in terms of 
helping women raise, gain awareness of what was going on for them. And so that's how I moved into that. And I still do a lot of work on anxiety and depression and trauma, but within the motherhood space, there's so much that you can do to actually help women realize that they're not at fault. They don't need fixing, that they're not the problem. But unfortunately, we don't hear that message. And anger is one of those because it's very taboo to talk about being an angry mum. So true, isn't it? It's almost this is kind of controversial what we're talking about. And and it's something that women are experiencing, but where do they turn to for help? So I love what you say. Anger and rage are not something that we typically associate with mothers. Can you explain what they are and how they differ from normal anger? So Yes, it's not something that we hear about and we associate with motherhood because it's still a very taboo conversation to have. And to understand why that is, we need to understand that culturally and historically women have been conditioned and trained to suppress their anger. And so whilst anger is a very natural, normal emotion, we all have it and it serves a particular purpose. Its function is to protect us from harm. We feel angry when we feel under threat, under attack, when we feel we've been treated unfairly, for example. And so it gets us to uh, stand up for ourselves and say, this is not fair. I'm not going to put up with this, for example. It protects us from harm and hurt. Um, but mum rage and maternal anger are different. They are a mother's experience of overwhelming, intense, unpredictable, uncontrollable fits of anger. And women, they can be very, very intense and very, very frightening for women. They feel very often they're stepping out of themselves and they can't control themselves. So many of my clients talk about they're losing control completely. And the way that it shows up is in yelling at their children, screaming, slamming doors, this sort of stuff. And people very often think that it comes from nowhere uh, or for no reason. I've heard many fathers talk about the mother of their children and say she yells at the kids for no reason. Well, it might look that way, but actually there's so many reasons and factors underneath that mean that women are and mothers feel angry. So it's different from traditional anger in that it's become unhealthy, it's become all-consuming, and it's a sign that mothers are really, really struggling, but not for the reasons that they think. And because culturally we're conditioned not to express our anger as young children. Interestingly, there's a recent study that came out that showed that parents, when a daughter expresses anger, will respond with disapproval or dismissal, but they don't when a boy expresses anger. How interesting. Wow, the conditioning from young, hmm. besides the conditioning. Very early on, we learned that anger is an inappropriate response for women and particularly for mothers. Because women who are who yell, for example, many of my clients say this to me, but their husbands, their partners will say, you're crazy, you're mad. Traditionally, you get called a shrew or a nag. Or no, and in our modern world, you're too uh, bossy, too assertive, too masculine, you know, not feminine enough, not motherly enough. So within that context, women are told that being angry is not an appropriate thing to feel or even express. So from the beginning, if you feel that, you've been treated unfairly or you feel under threat or under harm for some reason, which is the purpose of anger, then you think, well, actually, I'm told that this is not appropriate, so what do I do? And so women can be caught in this particular situation. I must say that the anger, though, can be the display that we see, the external display that we see women yelling or screaming or slamming doors. That can be a mask for other things. It can mask other emotions. And 
very often things like resentment and guilt and anxiety and disappointment um, are under all of this. So, and it's now being shown to be uh, the case for children as well. You know, very anxious child or angry child might actually be an anxious, anxious child. So anger is a complex emotion, but it can't be understood just as an emotion. You need to understand the context in, in which people have been raised and the sociocultural elements that mean that women have been told anger is not appropriate. So true. So many points to consider there. Let's go back to how prevalent is mum rage and is it specific to new mothers? So prevalence is an interesting thing. When people talk about being prevalent, they mean quite often, are there any studies to show that that's the case? And overwhelmingly, the studies um, that focus on emotion in motherhood are around anxiety and depression. Anger has been shown to be one element associated with postnatal depression or perinatal, so during pregnancy and up to the first year after motherhood. And so it's a factor that's been shown to be going alongside uh, depression. You can have postnatal depression without anger and you can have anger without depression. But it's one of these elements that has been shown to be there. But interestingly, in the medical and psychological literature, anger is only kind of recognized as this aberration when motherhood's gone wrong somehow. It's elsewhere in sociology, in linguistics, in communication studies literature that you see actually anger being recognized as part of the motherhood experience. So by all means, if somebody is feeling very angry and is really struggling with motherhood, they need to go and get help because they might be suffering from postnatal depression. But what I'm seeing in my practice are women who are not new mothers. They're seasoned mothers, experienced mothers or school-aged children and teenagers, and they're mothers who are not depressed. And so there's a, a paradox here because they don't know what to do with this. For years and years and years, that anger is built and there's nowhere to go if they go and seek help often they'll be told that they're depressed and yet they don't feel depressed. They might be put on antidepressant, yet they don't feel depressed because the medical world still sees very much anger as a, a problem within motherhood. When other parts of other areas of research are showing actually that that's not necessarily the case. And certainly that's not my experience in practice. And pretty much every single mother I've worked with has expressed that she feels angry. And also she feels ashamed and guilty about it. And she doesn't talk about it because when she does, if she has a partner and raises it, he'll say things like, well, you're crazy, you know, or she'll think, oh, I'm a bad mum," because they don't understand all of the things that are underneath that. So I think it's far more prevalent and it's beginning to be recognised as being a problem within uh, motherhood, but not because the mothers are not doing well and not because they're bad mothers. Absolutely. Which kind of leads me on to the next question. Where do maternal anger and mum rage come from? This is a meaty one. This is a multifaceted and multidimensional problem. And I'll touch on that four points here. But really to understand maternal anger and mum rage, we need to understand that it's much deeper than just a single episode. So very often mums say to me, I yell at my kids and I realize that it's a, a disproportionate reaction to what happened. Because what they don't understand is that the mum rage actually uh, derives from much deeper structures, social and cultural context. So the first one is the idea of the perfect mother, the myth of the perfect mother. When we become mothers, we enter a role that comes with rules and expectations and assumptions. 
And there is this image of the supermum. And she's supposed to be completely fulfilled by motherhood. She's supposed to be happy to put on hold every other aspect of her identity. She's supposed to find motherhood blissful and happy at all times. But she's also supposed in that image to be calm and nurturing and ever so patient, even though she might have a screaming baby on her chest, a toddler having a tantrum at her feet and a five-year-old creating a mess in the house, she's still expected to be happy and calm and nurturing. So anger doesn't feature in the image of the typical mum. And you see this online all the time, the image mm. of the super mum. She's typically depicted as quite slim because she's gone back to her pre-baby body easily. She's made up and looking very nice. She usually has a baby on her chest and a toddler at her feet. And she's depicted as usually 10 arms, you know, 10 arms. And she's doing the washing and the cooking and the cleaning and answering the phone and dealing with emails, preparing meal for date night tonight, all at the same time, spinning all the plates with a smile on her face. That's the image that women don't realize that they're buying into when they become mothers. And that's very damaging because it's completely unrealistic. It's completely mm. unattainable. And yet mothers will try and meet that standard. Wow. I think we can picture so many, you know, people that you may know, or is it yourself that can resonate with that? Absolutely. The whole first thing that comes to mind is how films, social media portray that. And, you know, when little girls grow up and, you know, looking at motherhood, what's their what are their influences? What are we actually teaching them? Like, what's the reality of it? Which is so true. You actually touched on it just recent, uh, just previously about guilt. And one of the key emotions associated with motherhood is guilt. So where does that sit in relation to anger? If you don't mind, I'll come back to that in a minute, because there's, in terms of understanding the root causes of anger, it's important to understand that beyond that image of the super mum and the perfect mum, what I hear a lot is an issue around powerlessness. Women feel often, the word they use is they feel trapped. They feel trapped under the pile of washing, the cooking, all of these things. They feel trapped at home. And that's something that society doesn't allow you to say as a mother. So this issue of powerlessness, when you become a mother, you lose control because it's not possible to control a child. You can't control when they're going to eat, what they're going to eat, when they're going to go to sleep, if they're going to go to sleep. Yeah. So many issues that you lose control over. You lose control of your time, your freedom, your independence, possibly your income if you choose to stop mm. working. So powerlessness plays a big part into this. And that goes alongside um, the third aspect, which is injustice. And largely, there's a an inequality in how much in the burden that women carry and mothers carry at home. So... The vast majority of childcare and household duties is still done by the mother simply because she's the mother. Mm. And so that can has been shown to be up to 30 hours per week of unpaid labor. But alongside that comes the mental load because it's not just going to work and doing your first shift and then doing the second shift of doing all of the things at home and all the childcare and all the household things. It's also the mental load that comes with it. Women are always thinking, mothers are always thinking. The planning, the organizing, the negotiating, the managing that's required for the smooth running of a family, which means that women are always wired. They're always on. They're always on duty. So they struggle to sleep, they feel anxious because there's so much going on. And part of it has to do with 
how much they're carrying at home. And that's to do with still societal pressures and gender stereotype, this belief that housework and childcare are still a mother's job. So that adds to the pressure and that leads to unmet needs. So if there is an epidemic going on at the moment, I'd say it's maternal burnout because we are in a society where we celebrate selflessness for mothers. You know, you show your love through mm. being selfless for your children. We celebrate self selflessness. We celebrate mothers who eat last, mothers who stays up late because she's got so much to do for her children. She doesn't go to bed until everything's been done for the children. But at the same time, motherhood is not valued. And so women's needs are not met. They don't necessarily eat well, sleep is massively affected and that might be something that you relate to a lot of the people that I see they come for anger and depression and, and all of these issues but they typically have physical symptoms mm. headaches they have gut issues they've got physical pain because they live in such a, a fight or flight mode they live in stress mode in survival mode in hypervigilance constantly and when that happens our internal resources are depleted and we can't handle the stresses and demands of motherhood. So we snap, we yell because our needs as human beings aren't met. And this is where this image of the um, perfect mother comes in. It requires you to be selfless, which means you put yourself on hold. And we really run the risk of seeing sleep, depri sleep deprivation as a badge of honor. That really is problematic. I don't think I've ever worked with a woman who's not struggling to sleep. Wow, I can't tell you how beneficial this information is from my perspective, because you're absolutely right. And that's the power of this podcast, but also the passion that I have behind it is to spread this kind of information of like where I see women is at the end of their journey of burnout, stress, because it's now displaying in physical symptoms of whether it's insomnia, difficulty sleeping to weight gain to thyroid to autoimmune mm -hmm. to gut issues and what i always do in practice is educate the impact of stress on the body and it's the chronic stress and what you've done is given an amazing insight and i think also the complexity but also the intensity of what they're going through and in today's modern world we're actually really underplaying the isolation the lack of support the the number of roles but also the what society is expecting of them as mothers mm -hmm. and the level of how much of the day is spent in the fight or flight response. And it's interesting you say that I literally just had a conversation with a couple of patients last week, been mothers for a long time and just literally been stepping in in so many roles, supporting the husband's business, supporting their kids, the kids are now teenagers. They've lost their, feel that they've lost their identity, but they've lost their joy and excitement for life. Mm. Focus is I'm feeling a bit tearful. I'm, I can't reduce my weight and I always link, you know, cortisol to weight. A couple of hormones that we need to look at in terms of weight is actually one of them is cortisol. Mm. And so you've displayed that so beautifully. And it's just such a great realization is the impact of stress in mm. motherhood and what that looks like from a physical standpoint as well. And women often don't make the link when they start having physical pain or headaches or gut issues. They don't Thing that it's connected to what else is going on they don't realize it's connected to the lack of sleep the poor nutrition the constant stress the constant being on the go the lack of support the lack of being isolated because paradoxically we live in a society we're more connected than ever but we're more lonely and isolated than ever 
And this idea of the gender stereotype that the woman needs to do it all and do it with a smile on her face means that women aren't asking for help because they feel they're made to feel that they're failing somehow. You know, which mother is is needing help? It, it's supposed to be natural and easy and instinctive because you're a woman. So if if it's not, then you start questioning yourself. So women often don't make the link between the physical and the body and the mind. And I know you're familiar with his work, but um, Gabor Maté has really described really well. He he says that women are the shock absorbers of society. Oh, beautifully said. I I literally just read one of his recent books, When the Body Says No, and it's so beautifully highlighted the impact of stress and so many things, including dementia and osteoporosis. But Fabian, I want to go back to guilt because it's, funny you mentioned guilt i actually hear that a lot in my patients when we go right what can you do to look after yourself self-care there is actually a lot of guilt surrounded Mm. with motherhood and not working and and actually spending time on themselves and it's almost a journey that they have to take to actually be comfortable with (laughs) self-care so and it's funny you, you should mention that you know guilt and how does that sit in relation to anger so guilt like anger is a natural human emotion it has a function is really to activate our moral compass to alert us to what we feel is right and wrong it gives us the opportunity to redress something that we must we feel that maybe we've done wrong but mum guilt has taken it a step much much further because it's used as a penalty as a punishment it's become very unhealthy what tends to happen in the context of anger is when mothers yell at their children because they're not listening they're not doing what they've asked when they've come down they end up feeling guilty and they feel guilty and typically what happens is they internalize the struggle they blame themselves they think it's my fault i'm a bad mum. i'm not cut out for this and so what they tend to do is they try and make up by taking on more to show that they actually measure up against this idea of the perfect mum, the super mum. So they'll do more for the children. They'll push themselves down even further. And therefore, they sleep even less and they eat less well and they're more depleted and more exhausted. And guess what? They yell again. They get angry again. And the cycle repeats, which they take as confirmation that they're a bad mum when actually what's going on underneath is all of these issues that I've talked about, the sociocultural context, which requires women to completely put themselves on the back burner. Unfortunately, there comes a point, it's like an elastic band, you can pulling and pulling at some point, it will snap. So guilt is, is a really big problem because it's used as a punishment. Women use it as a punishment against themselves to say that they're uh, they're bad mums and that's a problem because starting with anger is starting with the wrong end of the problem if you look at the guilt when you feel guilty after you've snapped at your children instead of thinking I'm a bad mum think about what is it that I needed that moment you know what is behind this what is it that is missing in that moment and for a lot of women it's time to themselves space for themselves you know people often say but this anger comes from nowhere it doesn't when you feel unheard, when you feel ignored, when you feel that you don't matter, which is what a lot of women say to me when they yell at their children for not listening. If you've told your children 50 times to do something and they're not doing it, and you recognize rationally that the child is just being a child, you know, there's nothing wrong with the child, but you feel unheard, you feel ignored, then you might express that by yelling. So there's a difference between experiencing 
anger and the expression of it. And we don't want to be in a situation where we yell and scream and slam doors and so on. But to be able to undo this, we need to understand what's underneath all of this and how guilt is sustaining this cycle. So when you feel guilty, actually, instead of going straight to, I'm a bad mom, it's confirmed, go to actually, what did I need in that moment? And what you needed might be time for yourself, space for yourself. But mums very often do not go and ask for that help. Because again, that image of the perfect mother says that you should be able to cope on your own. So many mums said to me, well, I don't even ask. Well, this is the way it is. The children expect me to do things. Because things have always been this way doesn't mean they have to carry on. But I think there's also a problem with the way that self-care is presented. You know, very often self-care is presented to mothers as sleep when the child sleeps. Well, every mother knows that that's not possible. Take five minutes for a cup of tea. Have 15 minutes for a bath. Go and have a massage, for example. I can think of clients who, for example, the idea of a massage would just get them running away. One mum, for example, was saying to me how she was really struggling with her children wanting to be on top of her, climbing on her, as young children do, constantly touching her, hugging her. And she felt really guilty because as a mum, you're supposed to enjoy the hugs from your children. But she had uh, been sexually abused and that trauma had never been resolved. And so constantly having a space invaded by her children whom she loved very very much but she ended up feeling very guilty not linking the impact of the trauma she'd experienced in childhood to what was happening now so there's so much you know self-care has to be trauma-informed and it has to be fitted to the person and it has to be real it goes beyond just having a bath and a cup of tea it has to meet the basic human needs we all have a need for safety and good nutrition and sleep, but we also have a need for social connection. We are social beings and often mothers, mother on their own. We have a need for status and purpose. And a lot of women feel they lose their purpose when they become mums. And that's a problem because that ideal picture tells you that you shouldn't want to do anything else. You should be entirely fulfilled. So if you've been a career mother, you may struggle struggle with this idea of I'm just a mum now. Mm. and what do I have to show for my day at the end of it that's meaningful and interestingly if you dare mention any of these things people will say but you do love your children don't you Mm. You because you're supposed to be selfless that's how you show your love so if you're not somehow people take it that you don't love your children there's something wrong with you so it runs underneath like it's bubbling underneath and it's feeding all of this anger you made some really important points and I've learned something really important there about how self-care is very individual very personalized and you know how often do you hear off you go book yourself a massage get your nails done you know have a coffee with your friend it is actually extremely individual and you've highlighted that so well and recently I've been reading a book of the, of the evidence behind creativity art nature how it self-regulates and it's just an interesting time to actually just add in there that there's so many things around us that can help self-regulate from being 20 minutes in nature to movement to dance to creativity to art Mm. going to a theater and that was actually an eye-opener how we underestimate the power of creativity and the power of art to also self-regulate and it doesn't have to be the conventional go to a spa go and have a massage so I love what you've said there, Fabian. And I think it really will resonate with many. And I think it's going to help me 
when I guide my patients as well. Now, you also, you mentioned you also work with many career women who are also mothers. So where does anger come up from them and what specific aspects are relevant to them? So all of the things I talked about in terms of the ideal of the perfect mother, powerlessness, injustice, burnout, uh, is relevant for career mothers. And in addition, there's this idea that I've talked about in the other podcast about the shift in identity. But so many moms, for example, who decide to stay at home after being career moms struggle with this idea of I'm just a mom now. Because if you've been someone who was um, very competent, very confident, efficient, used to getting things done, it can look like the typical day of a mother. You achieve nothing at the end. It's a struggle for a lot of women who say to me, I'm just a mum now. And they really struggle with that. And that's a reflection of the fact that motherhood isn't valued in our society. You know, people talk about it's the best job in the world. It's the most important job in the world. Well, it's the most important job in the world that's unpaid. And women struggle with this idea that I'm now just a maid or a driver or a slave to my children. So that can be an issue. And then since the 60s, 60s, we've had this idea with the advent of the pill and access to the workplace that we can have it all. But somewhere along the line, having it all has become doing it all. And so the stress, the burnout, the long hours, the workplace is not designed for the demands of motherhood. It's not designed for the demands of human beings. I mean, men experience as much burnout, men experience as much burnout as women, you know. But when you're a mother who's working, who on top of that is doing up to 30 hours of unpaid work, plus is the emotional caretaker of the family, you can see very quickly how they can reach burnout. And then the other issue for career women, which I hear a lot, those who decide to go back to work is the motherhood penalty. And it's to do with the obstacles that come your way um, from people's changing perception towards you. And it's been shown now that when you go back to work, people will assume that you're no longer available or committed or interested. And therefore, what a lot of people report is that opportunities no longer come their ways. I can think of a client who was a highly educated lawyer and before she was a mother, she was working on very juicy uh, cases with kind of um, very influential um, clients. And when she returned, she found that she wasn't included in a lot of the juicy cases. At one point, she was working on a case with a client and the school called and asked her to come and pick up a sick child. Next thing she knows, she's asked by the client to step away from the team because she's not reliable. At the same time, her husband's career wow. is developing, yeah. is being promoted. So for a lot of career women, there's this idea, this resentment that why is it my job to do everything? Why is it that my career doesn't matter whilst yours is still going strong? You're getting promoted. Fatherhood doesn't seem to impact fathers anywhere near uh, to the extent that motherhood impacts mothers. And so Career women are struggling with this when they go back. Many of them said to me, I never knew. I wish I'd known that having a child would stall my career. Um, and so many women end up either when staying in the job because they need the money or they take a demotion because they can't put in the hours that are required to keep going or they step away altogether. And many of them end up setting up small businesses. I can think of a client who came to see me because she was feeling very angry and she'd left a corporate role to set up her own business working from home, working around the children, thinking it would be easier. And actually she found that being isolated at home, she wasn't actually being uh, very efficient and doing a lot of work. 
so that by the time the children came back from school, she was feeling quite head up and agitated that she hadn't done her work but she spent all day on her own and she was finding herself easily distracted by the task at home because it was staring her in the face all the things that she'd not done as a mum and so she approached very much working from home as if she'd still work was working in the office except that she wasn't having the contact the connection she wasn't having the structure and so she felt that when she the children would be around having noticed all the things she hadn't done for work because she'd used some of her work time to actually do mothering things and household things, she was starting to yell at the children being very impatient with them because she wanted to get back to work. And it was really about helping her restructure her day so that she would get social contact and also she could make it work for her. But she was still working with this idea of, okay, I've got to be an employee working nine to five, nine to six, nine to however long. And so it was coming up as yelling at the children a lot of the time. And then she felt guilty that when she was with them, she wanted to be working on a business. When she was in business, she wanted to be with the kids. So it can be very, very complex because there's so many needs and so many women end up setting up businesses working on their own which increases the isolation increases the lack of support so it really needs to take a holistic Mm. approach really absolutely couldn't agree with you more and it is complex more complex than than we think moving on what can women who are listening do about so there's several things they can do one of them is really if they don't feel depressed if they feel that depression is not their problem really to get help with somebody who understands all of these issues so that they can help them disentangle all of these elements that we've just talked about the other thing is cut yourself some slack because i'm hoping all the elements i've explained show that you're not at fault it's not you being a bad mom there's so many layers underneath so many factors that are beyond your control nothing to do with you that are at the root of this anger you're experiencing and they don't mean that you're a bad mother whatsoever on a practical level recognizing the triggers is essential um for a lot of the mums that i work with they say that things that make them feel unheard or ignored or as if they don't matter so the children not listening for example can be a big trigger the children whining for example because they know where that usually leads recognize your triggers is it not being heard is it that in the evenings you're depleted completely exhausted and you do need some time is it early in the morning what are your triggers And then ask yourself, what do I need in that moment? And then do what you can, what is within your control to put that in place. Amazing advice, Fabian. Amazing advice. And almost just a reminder that we all need as well, regardless, (laughs) regardless, what do I need in that moment? Yeah. But it's important to understand that for things to change, things have to change. If things stay the same at home where you do everything for everybody, don't ask for help, ignore these things, keep internalizing the struggle, the anger will keep coming up again and again and again. So it requires a deeper kind of understanding of what's going on, a deeper approach. Amazing. Amazing. So Fabian, where can my listeners find you and what offerings do you have for them? So they can find me on my website, www.drfabian.com.au. So Dr. Fabian is D-R-F-A-B-I-E-N-N-E. And on that, they can find details of my one-to-one sessions. Also of the group program that I'm running. I've decided to run this group program, which I ran in the first place during lockdown, but reviving because women, there's so many women experiencing this feeling 
the anger, the resentment, the guilt, living in survival mode, who think that they are the only ones, who think that they're failing, that this sense of community is essential to see that there's other women who are going through this. And it, so it's typically for mothers who feel trapped and unfulfilled and undervalued and invisible. And we're really working on uh, getting out of survival mode overcoming the anger the guilt and the resentment looking at all of these aspects with each woman so that she can actually make the changes she needs to make and be the mother the woman and the professional she wants to be because those are essential parts of her identity i'm also in the process of developing a, an online course on mum rage and uh, maternal anger so that women who are not ready to get face-to-face -face help or one-on-one -on -one or group help can actually start getting some tools and some techniques and uh, understand what's going on and do that for themselves. So that will come uh, further down uh, the line this year. And I'm also running a, a challenge, a free kind of event for ladies um, called Reclaim Five Hours Per Week. So we're starting small, really showing women how to get time back and what to do with that time. Because very often when I ask women, what would you do if you had two extra hours? And they say, I'd clean up the house. Oh, yes. I do the washing up. There's no comprehension that time has to be for you. So um, details on, can be found on my website of this uh, five-day challenge where we kind of go step-by-step, baby-step in reclaiming some time for yourself. That's amazing, Fabian. And can I just say thank you so much for your work, your incredible insights. It is helping so many women. So thank you so much. We need to bring you back. Absolutely. Thank you, Fabian. Thank you so much. I love having conversations with you because it's interesting to look at the different aspects. We're working on similar issues, yeah. you and I, but from different angles and seeing you're working on very much on the physical and I'm working on the mental and we'll meet in the middle on the uh, the social and the uh, the biopsychosocial social kind of um, aspects. So really fascinating. Thanks for having me. And it just goes to show how holistic, you know, health has to be. It has mm. to look at mind, social, all the factors. Thank you, Fabian. Thank you. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take home message today? Remember it's all about progress and not perfection. And are you suffering from stress? Visit the Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au for more resources on how to de-stress, re-energize and reclaim your health. Enjoy the journey.